Welcome to Dear Us, a podcast inspired by the conversations we aren't having. And in today's episode, we'll be speaking about mental and emotional health. So stay tuned. We're actually recording from different locations today. Um, Hi. Hi. (laughs) Through Skype. So I don't know how good the quality of this will be. Hopefully it will be fine. Um, And today's episode is shorter than the rest just because October has been really busy for us. But we still wanted to record something. Um, And something that has been on both of our minds and I guess is always on our minds is mental health. Um, yeah and so yeah so today is just going to be conversational um speaking about what we've been thinking about (laughs) so Mm -hmm. Hannah you were telling me about um uh, mental health in the media yeah um yeah I guess it's something I've kind of I kind of noticed a long time ago, but it's, I've just been thinking more about it recently and just how, um, how it's misrepresented a lot in media and almost kind of romanticized, Mm -hmm. um, in music and TV and, um, social media as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think like, for example, there's, um, something that I noticed a while ago and, again just kind of I started seeing it again was like for example tumblr blogs yeah um kind of how they represent mental illnesses and I think specifically depression right um and it it almost they almost make it seem like um like something that's very beautiful and almost aesthetic sorry carbon's Um, asking for attention (laughs) carbon's our cat Carbon. <laughs> Standing in the closet. Okay, so I did read about um, uh, Tumblr and how the the romanticization of mental health on Tumblr. And I haven't really been someone who's used Tumblr much, so I guess I haven't had a lot of uh, exposure to that. But um, yeah. um, pictures of like pills, pictures of um, after after people have gone through a certain episode, um, yeah, I don't know if you've seen something in specific, but also this like hashtag of beautifully tragic, um, yeah, that goes around. That's a big a big um, issue, I think, because that that's the way they kind of portray it in lots of movies as well, where like if you have. I think specifically depression, but other mental illnesses as well. It's almost like you're a very kind of deep and artistic person and like a tortured artist almost. Yeah, exactly. As if like to be artistic, you need to have, uh, be struggling with mental uh, health. And also the other way around that if you're struggling with mental health, it kind of means that you're just a kind of creative person. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of the, I think, Tumblr posts are these, like, especially 
um, there's some that are just like scenes from movies and they're all black and white pictures of like mm. very kind of good looking actors or um, that are, I guess their characters are usually depressed or have some sort of mental illness that kind of all starts to go away when they meet another good looking character who's also struggling with something yeah. like it's almost like it can be solved so easily yeah exactly. that's kind of the it seems um yeah there's some blogs that I came across I think when I was like around 13 probably and there's some on Instagram as well but I think they're being taken off Instagram mm. but there's still many on Tumblr they're kind of like pro they're called pro Anna blogs oh, I heard that are basically that. from it's basically kind of promoting anorexia so there's these pictures of like really thin girls and like specific like just isolating parts of their body like collarbones oh, and thigh yeah. gaps and hip bones and stuff like that and so if like if you search those hashtags like yeah. collarbones or whatever you'll see all these pictures and a lot of them say like oh you're strong enough to um starve yourself or things like that like kind of promoting kind of saying that if you have self-control the self-control to um have an eating disorder mm -hmm. you'll be beautiful I don't know it's kind of this yeah just, oh, yeah yeah as if it, it makes you more powerful yeah um or represents that you have some sort of power control over yourself somehow yeah yeah, exactly. yeah yeah so this romanticization of mental uh illnesses is extremely dangerous um mm -hmm. and uh, when you were speaking about um the media and film it brought me or made me think about marilyn monroe um <laughs> and i feel like they've always depicted her as this like beautiful but like tragically beautiful and also another person is um lana del rey so i yeah. like i actually have to admit that i have enjoyed her music although now i feel like it's become so repetitive but when yeah. i when i start to analyze her music um i see that there is a lot of this glorification or romanticization of depression. And even in one of her interviews, she kind of romanticized the idea of, of um, early deaths. And so, yeah. Um, and yeah. so she has received a lot of criticism, and I think rightly so, because a lot of her music, when you begin to analyze it, I mean, it is all around this idea of like being sad, being beautiful, and um, life is tragic, but that's okay. Um, yeah. And uh, and and her music does have that kind of um, theme ongoing, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're all kind of the same, like kind of slower, sad songs. But, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, when and I think that also hmm? really simplifies hmm? it. Really, like, yeah, I guess simplifies what um, mental illness actually is because it doesn't always look one way. Exactly. 
yeah and also i mean in her interviews she's been quite like dismissive towards feminism as well um <laughs> which also kind of pushed me away from her music um but yeah this this romanticization of uh of mental illnesses is extremely dangerous and I think we need to begin to address it and also just begin to notice it and 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 see where um these these dangerous images or uh lyrics um and music um are coming up rather yeah. than just ignoring it I mean just just being more aware we'll begin to notice these patterns um and also I something that has been on my mind has been the way people misuse words that can be so harmful and derogatory towards people who um, are struggling with mental health. And I mean, most of us, I think, are struggling in one way or another. We just might not realize it and there are different degrees yeah. to it. Um, yeah. But the thing is that uh yeah so so the words that are being used a very common one that I hear all the time and you know I was hoping that people I mean in 2017 would realize that they shouldn't use the word retarded um oh yeah but it's still being used all the time I hear it all the time uh people saying mm -hmm. that uh someone is retarded or that something is retarded when they want to ridicule a person or ridicule a certain idea um, yeah and which is definitely so derogatory towards people who have an intellectual disability or have actually have a form of mental retardation and um it it's just I still don't understand how people don't realize and and maybe they are realizing but don't care yeah I think it's strange with that one specifically because I like you would think that it's so obvious that that shouldn't be used in that way but yeah. it still is yeah um, and it all and, yeah no go ahead that it all um derives from this idea that there is a normal that there is a standard um, and that anyone who deviates from that standard which is everyone but we have this false idea that we that somehow like there are certain people who live up to this um, standard or categorization of normal um, yeah. what was I saying <laughs> that it I lost comes from my trail. yes that it that it comes from that it, it it stems from this because we've accepted the idea that there is a normal now again yeah. that doesn't mean that if there is no normal that we should romanticize or be okay with uh uh mental health illnesses um we shouldn't in the same way that we go through physical illnesses um, yeah, it should be something that we address, we speak about, shouldn't be a taboo, but also that we can help each other um, overcome. Yeah, exactly. I feel like it shouldn't be, um, I guess it shouldn't be thought of as something that is, uh, I guess, a fault in a person if they mm -hmm. have 
some sort of mental illness mm-hmm. like it's there isn't a problem with the person yeah. but there's still something that they need to I guess or they should seek help for just so that I guess just to make going through life a little easier mm-hmm. um, not that whatever they're going through makes them not normal or something mm-hmm. But just the same way we would need help for any other um, sort of physical issue. Like I saw something actually that I thought was a good way of um, of looking at it, saying kind of like you would never look down on someone who has glasses, right? Mm-hmm. And like glasses are kind of if you, like you have if you have a visual mm-hmm. kind of like a visual impairment in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and you wouldn't just be like, oh, like, just try harder. Just try to see without them. Yeah, exactly. You know? So it's the same with, like, someone who has anxiety or depression or any other mental illness. You won't just be like, oh, just try harder. To, like, just relax. Just, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, go out and enjoy your life. Like, it isn't about just trying harder because that's, everyone's trying not to feel that way. Exactly. But about, like, being some sort of help. Exactly. And... Yeah, and there is a lot of taboo around um, mental health and um, this idea that if you're going to therapy or counseling, then um, you're, in quotes, crazy. Um, mm-hmm. And um, it's it's difficult to overcome the stigma. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I have seen a lot more... Um, awareness around mental health which is good um but i guess we still have a long way to go and um and also i mean if it's about us taking responsibility Mm -hmm. and raising awareness and also acting from a place of um um, knowledge i don't know if that would be a word um is that when we, for example, as a yoga teacher, I, when I, I mean, I recently got trained as a yoga teacher and, um, but because I've been interested in mental health and also making yoga inclusive, um, I was really interested in trauma-informed yoga. So I took a course um, on trauma-informed teaching and mm-hmm. um, it was so useful. And I think it's it's one of the ways in which we can really begin to create space for people who are struggling with um, mental health. And also mm-hmm. for people who might not realize that they're struggling with some form of emotional health uh, yeah. challenge. So, um, you know, taking the course was so informative for me. And now with everything that I do will completely change my, has completely changed my approach. Um, yeah. And I see things that if I hadn't taken the course, the way I would have taught you, taught yoga would mm-hmm. would have been different. Definitely. Um, yeah. and, 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 and when we speak about trauma, not just trauma, um, not just major traumas, but also minor traumas that we all carry in our body. Traumas yeah. that we've accumulated throughout our lives. Um, and how they make us react and be in a certain way. 
Um, and so I, um, yeah, what I was trying to say was that I think if we all take it upon ourselves to really inform ourselves about the importance of mental health and about how we might be affecting people or yeah. definitely how we are affecting people, obviously, in terms of how we um, interact and in, in our behavior, and especially when we're in a position of power, like as a yoga teacher or an instructor or a, or anyone leading some form, a, a group, um, mm -hmm. it's important to be informed and to act in a responsible way. And then also just as like normal everyday people, in our conversations to be more aware because we never know how we might be affecting the person next to us and the person might not be able to tell us um, and keep it inside yeah and I, th I think that's a good point especially because with a lot of mental illnesses um, like obviously you won't tell by looking at someone if they have some sort of mental illness a lot of people can kind of seem like they're functioning quote-unquote normally mm -hmm. but um you can't really tell what exactly they're going through and I think that's also why there needs to be a bigger understanding of what it means to have um anxiety disorders or major depressive disorder or you know all of that exactly um yeah because a lot of the time when um I mean, people speak about going uh, going through anxiety, having anxiety. Um, I think there's this idea from others who don't understand it that as it, that that um, it's the same as feeling anxious or feeling stressed, yeah. and so it's almost dismissed. It's like, oh, this person, like, why are they saying they have anxiety and making a big deal out of it? It's just like I felt anxious. We've all felt stressed. Just deal with it. Um, yeah. But it's not it's the same a, thing. Yeah, it's almost considered a phase. Like, oh, you'll get over it. But when you have, I'm just using anxiety as an example because it's what I'm more familiar with. But it, when you have anxiety, it's not something that will just go, go away, away after a year. Exactly. Of, yeah, like there's this like idea where when someone's feeling anxious, for example, people will be like, oh, just meditate or find a creative outlet or do yoga or mm -hmm. go run or something mm -hmm. and yeah that that can be helpful but it's not it's not going to make your anxiety go away it's not that easy because if it were then everyone would just do it mm -hmm. but I think there's a big difference between feeling anxious because let's say you have a interview or an exam or something mm -hmm. and knowing okay yeah I'm anxious because I don't know how this thing is going to go, but I'll be fine once it's over. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And there's a difference in that and feeling anxious all the time and not knowing why, or yeah. maybe feeling anxious because of something that seems so like insignificant to someone else. Exactly. Um, yeah, like um, this um, idea that uh, stress, like, I mean, there's there's normal amount of stress that we all feel that is important, that is, is part of like, in terms of like evolutionary biology, um, that are fight and flight responses that, you know, normal stress responses that are needed. But then there's... Um, you know, a more acute form, and, and, you know, we can speak about it in terms of anxiety, that 
affects someone's daily life. So it's yeah. it's more chronic. Yeah, and the same with depression. So depression isn't yeah. sadness. We can't just say, oh, yeah. I'm depressed. No, you're not depressed. If I mean, if you're not depressed, don't say you're depressed. If you're feeling sad, then it's a, mm-hmm. it's an emotion that we feel, that we all feel. Yeah. Um, I think even if, let's say, there's an event in your life and for maybe a month you feel symptoms of depression mm-hmm. and you... Mm-hmm you're kind of sad and you don't want to do things you would normally do but then after a while you get out of it it doesn't mean that you had depression and now you're cured you were experiencing symptoms of depression because of this event in your life exactly so then you wouldn't go to someone who has depression and be like oh I got out of it so you'll be fine you just have to do this because it's a you experience symptoms of that but you don't you don't have depression exactly And I guess finally also things related to body esteem. So, Mm -hmm. of course, that's related to eating disorders as well. And and I think also the fact that eating disorders, yeah, don't look a certain way. Um, People don't look a certain way when they are going through eating disorders. And healthy doesn't look one way. Yeah, I think that's especially... I think um, a lot of people have started to use eating disorders as like adjectives, which is also a problem. So it's kind of like a body type, like, oh, when people say like, oh, she looks so anorexic, but that's, you don't look anorexic either. either, Like if you're thin, it doesn't mean you have anorexia. You could be, uh, you could look like you're at a healthy body weight and actually not actually be like going through an eating disorder and I think that's the problem where like if for a lot of people who are going through that they'll kind of tell themselves oh no there's nothing wrong with starving yourselves because you don't look the way anorexics or people going through bulimia or whatever look Mm -hmm. yeah exactly and also um so so both like fat shaming and skinny shaming are things that are terrible they're both terrible um Mm -hmm. and again somehow we overlook skinny shaming because we think like oh well what did they have to be upset about you know um Mm -hmm. but that's something that also affects people who are not able to gain weight and um and, and again, going back to the healthy bodies thing, you know, for women, um, it's sometimes when we when we're being praised for being um, thin, it, it can be dangerous because a lot of the time um, there isn't enough body fat to produce um, the necessary hormone levels so that a woman gets her period, for example. Yeah. And that's something like that's very common with athletes as well. So mm-hmm. you'd think you'd look at them and think, oh, they they look so healthy and they have like the perfect the ideal body, uh, the fit body. <laughs> but yeah, but a lot of them actually don't get their periods and have hormonal imbalances. Obviously, not all of them, but it is common because mm-hmm. their their body fat percentage is not where it should be. Exactly. 
So I think it's, again, this relating this to mental health that we don't, we, we kind of even among, you know, amongst women normalize, internalize uh, these body ideals. And, Mm -hmm. um, and I want to record a podcast later on specifically about this, but um, we, you know, it affects us so much emotionally. And I can speak from experience that it has affected me, it affected me so much emotionally and took so much for me to overcome that. Um, But we perpetuated, you know, amongst women, we criticize each other, um, body shame. And in turn, this is affecting another person's emotional and mental health. So we just have to be more aware about the way we speak, about our thinking patterns, um, about our judgments, um, and try to be more supportive of each other. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And I think also acknowledging, as you said at the beginning, that um, men or non-binary people can go through this as well. Of course. Cause yeah. they're, like there was an ad, I, I think it was American Eagle or something that came out with a, I might be wrong, but it came out with an ad for, that was supposedly supporting body positivity for men. Mm-hmm. And so there were men of like different body types in the video mm-hmm. in the ad and everyone was kind of applauding it. And then, like, a day later, they came out saying it was some sort of, like, April Fool's joke or something. What? And the men that were in the ad didn't, weren't aware of it. Oh, my God. Which was ridiculous because men do go through that. It's yeah, like, of course. And yeah, that's so completely was, dismissed, I think. Uh, yeah. It's somehow people think it's okay to call a man fat and laugh mm-hmm. it off and think that he's not being affected and I'm not saying that they're always affected but yeah but it's still something to consider because it's it comes from this idea of being a man that men won't um be emotionally affected by this because they're men and they're masculine and and smaller men as well I think exactly Um, exactly um if they're not muscular enough um Mm -hmm. And so, again, like, these body ideals are, are a huge problem because, um, of course, they're, they're constantly changing and they've constantly been changing throughout history. And rarely anyone really fits into that category. Um, mm-hmm. And so, again, just um, ending on the note that we should be more aware that we should speak more about mental health uh, and emotional health um, and take responsibility for our actions and our words. Um, And um, I guess just not dismiss what people are feeling or shame them for feeling a certain way. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so let's end on this note that um what are a few things or one thing however many you want um that you could suggest people do for their own self-care I think the biggest thing that I guess I find helpful is just 
not trying to um, distract yourself from your emotions. I mean, distractions can be helpful sometimes, but just, yeah, not feeling ashamed or guilty of um, feeling a certain way of being sad or anxious or, you know, whatever. I think also another thing is making sure you rest and eat well. That's Mm -hmm. a very important part because a lot of the time it can feel scary or you can forget to do it if you're feeling really unwell. Yeah. And I yeah, I think that's very important. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, for me, making time to do, to practice yoga, because the mm-hmm. more I've been teaching, I, I know that I've been neglect, neglecting my own practice. So cool. I know I have to make more time for that. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's something I know I have to work on. And I would say that taking time to do that one thing that you know you really enjoy but you always make excuses for um and uh yeah i think taking at least a few minutes every day to do something that you enjoy not mm -hmm. you know something that isn't a requirement but Mm -hmm. should be Mm -hmm. exactly so on that (laughs) note (laughs) Follow us on Instagram. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so you can follow me at. Oh, I changed my Instagram name. What is it? Tanya yeah. Nebo, right? Yeah, and yeah, and I'm <laughs> Hannah Nishat Botero and Blue Wild Indigo. Yes, follow us. Um, I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode and we'll have another one out next month hopefully longer (laughs) okay bye bye